Today we have a super exciting guest today, a longtime friend of John and I's and also a fellow creative, Scott Lynch. Scott, thank you for being on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we met Scott uh, years ago. Uh, he used to live in Colorado, then he moved to Chicago. We shared some studio space for some time. We got super close on some projects where he helped direct some commercials for us. And we just kept in touch over the years. Um, but I really, I want to pass it over to you, Scott, and maybe just walk us through your you know, a brief background of kind of what it is you do. Uh, so, yeah, so I got my start um, uh, in in traditional filmmaking. So um, did a lot of editing, you know, started off, uh, actually started off, my first job, I think, was working with a car photographer. <clears throat> I'm from Michigan originally, so I worked for a car photographer in Detroit, uh, which is cool because I got to learn, I got to learn uh, sort of how to light um, and, uh, you know, how to, how to really kind of just like compose, compose a, compose a shot. Um, but then I've, I've had sort of jobs all throughout the, in pretty much every facet of the industry, you know, did wedding videos early on as many people do, did music videos for, you know, you know, low budget music videos for, for bands, um, met a lot of people that way and sort of cut my teeth. Um, and then, and then my career kind of took off in a, and a slightly different direction as, as, as it often kind of does. I think originally I wanted to be a feature film director, but, uh, you know, the, I think where my path sort of ended up leading was to, um, doing more documentary work. So, um, so I was involved with doing some of the early, really early web series when YouTube was kind of in its, it's very, it's very infancy. So kind of learning how to develop content that was being released, um, you know, and in using that material as a way to support you know, a business or to, to market an idea. So I was kind of involved in those kinds of things. And then I moved out to Colorado, um, got involved in the music industry, which um, was just kind of happen chance. I just happened to meet some people that were already working in that industry out there. And there was there was opportunities there to do interesting work and work with artists. So. So I did produce a lot of music work, a lot of music festivals, a lot of uh, music documentaries. Um, uh, got to be on a lot of cool stages and and meet meet some really cool people. Um, but but then it, there was it kind of got I kind of got to a point where I sort of I, I also did some like work in television. Um, but uh, I kind of felt that I, in a sense, kind of got like a little bored with what I did and. Um, so kind of so in 2016, virtual reality started to become a, a platform that was um, opening up. Um, the technology was kind of coming to a coming to a point where it was actually possible for people outside of research to start using it as a creative tool. And I, I really just fell in love with the with the medium. And after some self reflection, <clears throat> uh, realized that. Uh, a lot of the work that I've been trying to do with traditional filmmaking <laughs> was actually better. <clears throat> uh, some of the work that I've been trying to do with uh, traditional filmmaking was actually better suited for VR. Um, you know, I, I've always been really interested in this idea of, of trying to give somebody the realistic experience of what something was like, you know, so if I was at an event, you know, what does that event feel like? What is, you know, or if I'm doing a documentary, like what does that place feel like? What that that other country or that other that this other location, these other characters? I just felt like VR um, helped me communicate 
the things I wanted to communicate with those, with that kind of work uh, better than traditional film did. So once I kind of realized that, I shifted my career to focus on uh, virtual reality um, because it was new. It's, it was exciting. Nobody, you know, in 2016, very few people were dabbling in it. And so they kind of just felt like this, you know, this wide open world of, of, of a new thing to explore and a new thing to just kind of push myself to, to, to learn something new. And that's really just kind of opened up a whole other Pandora's box in some ways of different, uh, different problems and different skill sets that I've needed to learn. So it's, it's been interesting. I've, I've had to like relearn a lot, just re reteach myself all these different things, um, different, different programs, different, different ways of working, different ways of thinking. Um, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been very exciting. And, um, and now that th that virtual reality is also starting to shift into a new, a newer form called, um, virtual production and virtual production sort of takes the, the benefits of, of game engines and, um, which are generally used for 3d games, but reutilizing them for narrative purposes. So, um, you know, uh, for people that are familiar with the Mandalorian or some of the other uses of virtual production, you'll build like these giant LED walls and you'll project essentially like a CGI scene under the background. And um, so instead of having to build like a giant set, you might just build that virtually and project that onto uh, essentially giant TV screens. And then you, through the camera, it all looks correct and you get proper lighting. So, so I've, I've kind of started going into like this whole other, this whole other sort of rabbit hole of of technology and sort of merging merging some of my experience from filmmaking and my experience in virtual reality and then and it's all kind of swirling in this uh in this uh kind of this new medium of of stuff that you can do now right no i think it's, it's, it's been kind of a weird journey but it's 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 you know but it's been fun. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember uh, first meeting you, you know, you were, we were, you know, connected through music and then we got to know each other and then we shared, we shared space and you got, you were really heavy into VR. We'd look over, you had your goggles on, you're setting up your, your tracking cameras for your sensors. Uh, but I feel like it's, you know, the people I'm connected with personally, I feel like no one really is, is really doing virtual production, um, but you are. And I know you kind of created a group, um, but I love to talk about like, the transition, like, was there, is there a big learning curve going from traditional video right into virtual production? Um, it is, it's a lot different. Um, in some ways it's, it's similar, but it kind of depends on what your experience level is. Like, I, I would say if you are, if you've worked in special effects or VFX, um, or you've worked on some larger commercial type projects, you might not find the transition to be that jarring. If you're going sort of from a more documentary or indie world, um, then there's a, like, there's a lot more to learn. Um, you know, cause you're working on a set, mm -hmm. you have to have a larger crew of people to sort of do these, these types of productions at, at the moment, you know, things will change over the years, but at the moment, you know, you, you know, you're looking at relatively large crews, which might not be, so that aspect of it might be, <laughs> the more foreign part for certain creatives. Um, Cause it's not just, you know, a guy and a camera and a green screen type thing. It's, it's a lot more advanced, um, you know, cause you have to, you have to be working with people that understand the whole visual effects pipeline. So 
how to do 3D models, but also how to optimize them for game engines. Mm -hmm. wow. And so there's, um, uh, so there's there's just a lot more additional steps. Um, and then the other thing that's kind of part of that too is you know, and due to you know, due to COVID and and also just due to the needing the need for a very specific talent to to do certain roles is a lot of a lot of the workflow has been virtualized in a sense. So, um, which I think is actually like those kinds of aspects, I think are going to trickle down a lot into, you know, the more indie space or the, you know, the, maybe the corporate space as well. But, um, you know, there's now this ability to use virtual technology to have your production studio completely virtualized. Like you don't need a, a physical space anymore. It's like, you can have, you know, you can have an editor in one location, you can have your visual effects person in another location. You can have your producer in a third location. You could even have your actors in mocap suits wherever they happen to live. Um, and you can bring all those people into a central location using servers and using um, uh, special, some kind of like a Dropbox and stereo steroids kind of uh, file sharing systems to keep all, like everybody in sync at, at all times. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of actually really interesting things happening, like workflow wise that I think filmmakers and creatives and other business people should be, should be starting to consider because there is a lot at the current moment, it's becoming way more possible to not need, have, need to have every, all of your resources, people and equipment in the same, say physical location and you can virtualize that. So, um, it also opens a lot of creative possibilities where you don't like you can you can hire that person from another country that you want to work with for a particular project and you can you know it you, know, you don't have to like worry as much about like having to physically you know move them or like you know relocate them or anything you know and their families and stuff so so i think it'll i think i think those kinds of it's, it's i think it's interesting i think it's a little bit of a canary in the coal mine where it's starting to show like how the future of work will be a little bit more distributed. Um, right. and, and, you know, you might have companies that don't necessarily have like a, a, a central office that everybody has to go to. So I think that there's a lot of like interesting workflow things that I, that, so those aspects of it, I'm, I'm learning a lot. A lot of it has to do with a lot of it's very rooted in sort of the software industry. Mm -hmm. So that's, that wasn't something I was familiar with before, but, starting to learn like, okay, well, how does, how does, how do software companies build software and how do they all keep, right. how do they keep a team of a thousand people, a thousand programmers all working on the same, you know, the same project and, and not step on each other's toes. So I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Um, so those kinds of, those kinds of things will be potentially challenging for, or at least like new, new concepts for people to learn. Right. But I think there's a lot of benefit in, being able to kind of take some of these new ideas and apply them to the film, the film world, which hasn't really evolved, you know, besides like digital cinema, like, you know, cameras going from film to digital, it hasn't really, it hasn't dramatically evolved um, in the way things are done. But I think we're starting to see that change now. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel like there will be this, this new standard, right? Like I, I saw something like in, in 2026, like, you know, psych walls are just going to be, us. it's going to be virtual production is kind of the new standard for in-studio productions um but can you like i'm just curious like you so so it's it's kind of a new a new wave of technology 
there's definitely a learning curve. You know, you definitely have to be pretty involved in whether it's the software, but on a client perspective, um, like how, how would you go about like, you know, selling this idea to a client that maybe is interested in possibly using virtual production, but maybe has no idea what it is? Well, I think, I think it, at the moment it really probably depends on the client, mm-hmm. you know, unless, unless a project is at a certain level, it might not make sense to try to do pr- virtual production at this moment. So I think that that, that is, is a part of the conversation that might not be happening a lot right now, mostly because people are very interested in this and they want to try to use it. But there's a lot of unknowns about, you know, when is that the right choice for a particular project? Um, I think the the clients that will get the most benefit out of out of it right now is um, clients that need to film something that is at a hard to reach location, for example. Um, say you're shooting a promo video or a concert video or, or, or not a concert video, a, um, a corporate video. And, you know, one example might be, um, you need to shoot at an airport, you know, you need a scene at an airport and, you know, traditionally your options are try to rent an airport, which you can't unless, you know, so, so it, often it becomes, you know, trying to build a, a fake version of it, like on a set somewhere, and it doesn't usually look that realistic. It's a little, you know, because it's never going to look as big and open as, say, like a real, as a real airports are designed, um, you know. But in using virtual production, you can actually, you know, for the like for what you might spend on a on a physical set, you could you could build that in virtual in a virtual sense and film it on a virtual production stage, and have it look much better for about the same cost. So, but if you're, you know, if you're working on a project and you maybe don't, aren't prepared to have the kind of budget to be able to say afford to build a set, perhaps virtual production at this moment is not quite the right solution. But, um, but there are, I think we'll start seeing some like some smaller, some virtual production coming down from like these huge giant walls. Because essentially like you have like these giant LED walls and that's really, it's just a, there's a lot of expense in renting those walls that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, tens of thousands of dollars a day. Plus you got to have some pretty high end, like pretty much you have to have like sort of the, the, you know, the, the best computers that are possible to build and you got to have several of them. Wow. And then you got to have people that can run all that. And then you got to have some pretty high end tracking systems, um, camera tracking systems to kind of track the camera position and the lens data. Um, but for example, if you were shooting a, a television show and you needed, um, you know, most, let's say, say most of your television show happens in one, lo- you know, in an, you know, stay in an office, but it, like for one, for one scene, you need to, you're going to need to shoot in a desert or shoot at a beach or um, shoot at some sort of exotic location. And normally in a production, you would fly a whole crew out there and fly the cast. And so that takes several days. You know, you're flying people first class, you got to put them up. So there's a lot of expenses often in a, in a larger production with say going on location and, and filming a, filming something that's sort of out of the ordinary. But using virtual production, that's the kind of thing that you can easily shoot just in a day. Like, you know, you've got people shooting the regular show on a, on one stage, and then they come on over to the other stage. They shoot, they shoot their beach scene that afternoon, you know, 
because you've just put some sand down, you put some, you know, you put a beach up on the on the on the on the background, or maybe they they take a trip to Venice or they take a trip to, um, you know, really almost any different location. And but uh, uh, so when you're when you have those kinds of projects, it, it at this point those are sort of the the ones that I think where virtual production makes sense. But I think in the next few years, and this is something why people should kind of pay attention to it, is um, especially if people want to do more polished. Um, say you're do, you're you are a part of a corporation and you want to do a big, say, shareholder event. Normally, you would put on a large production at a large conference center. You know, so 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 in that you're you're already probably prepared to say build some large projection walls or LED walls, you're going to be putting a lot of effort into, you know, the, the, the staging of say a large corporate event, you know, and then you have to have all the extra stuff that go with an event, you know, you know, you got to have all the logistics to bring all these people into your space, um, you know, host them at a hotel and, and that kind of a thing with virtual production. If you wanted to say, do a virtual conference, you could then now do a very polished, uh, live stream of something similar, but do it in a way that's a lot that looks more than just like people on a stage. You know, you could do a lot more fancy things like have your presenters in many different locations. Wow. You know, you'll be able to bring up, bring up, say, presenters in in their own like little their own Zoom windows, or perhaps even as virtual avatars, like within the space. You know, they, wow. so they so you could have a different presenter like on a green screen in a different city who's able to present without needing to travel, without needing to, um, uh, you know, without, and, and without needing to kind of host that person, you could just, you know, set up a, a separate location in a different studio. And then you, that, that actually might give you access to more, a more variety of say keynote speakers, you know, if, if right. you know, if you could hire, hire somebody who doesn't, who's not in the location, who doesn't have enough time to say travel to your, travel to your conference and get set up for that morning's thing. Um, you know, perhaps a virtual conference will allow you to virtually bring them in. They can, they can just spend the, you know, the few hours that they need to do their, do their presentation. And then, and then their commitment is, 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 you know, kind of over. So, so I think you'll probably see, start seeing virtual production used a lot in those sort of, those sort of cases. Um, and then you'll probably also see it for people that are like, say, if you're, if you are, say, a, maybe you're a feature filmmaker or an indie filmmaker and, or music, maybe you're making a music video and it's, we, you want to do one location or you want to, you know, you sort of want to film in one location because you, or shoot film in one day, but you want to have a bunch of locations, you know, a virtual production might be a more economical way to shoot the same music's, you know, tr uh, performance in a bunch of different locations or do a bunch of kind of extra special effects with things with time and light that you can't, that would be very difficult to do practically. Right. So I think you'll start seeing a lot of creative uses for people um, using it in that way over the next year or so. Um, but because of some of the expenses involved, um, it's, it's generally why it's, it'll probably a little at this, at these early stages, it's going to be more limited towards the, um, sort of the people in that middle to high end uh, right. type of production. But I, but over time, it'll become a more prominent way of, of, of doing production. So I, I definitely think that people 
would definitely encourage people to start looking at it and start yeah. kind of wrapping their head around what it what it'll take. Uh, and I, then and so hopefully in a year or two they'll be ready to start uh, creating projects using it. It's I mean it, I think I feel like it's one of those it's like people investing in a stock, right? If like you believe it, give it a few years, it's gonna go, go, go. And I feel like with virtual production, like I've seen some commercial shoots of other accounts I follow where they're shooting car commercials and there is a film crew, right? And they bring in, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, they bring in trees and try to make a, a beach feel kind of how you said. Um, but I want to talk like in terms of like a film crew, like the standard, you have a director, a DP, camera assistant, AC, you know, when it comes to these virtual productions in a commercial sense, let's say we're, we're shooting in a space that has virtual LED walls. Would you say the crew is kind of like, are there different elements that are different from standard video? Like, like for me, right. I, I love to, to shoot. Is it, is it something that I would be able to pick up as a videographer under someone's direction to film, or is it really kind of like a lot more elements and just kind of filming on this, on this led wall? I mean, it's going to be a little bit more complicated than a normal. It, it really kind of just depends on your role. I think camera operators often will, find it pretty, pretty similar. Um, because when you're looking through the camera, the, it, it'll feel like a, like a pretty real film set. You know, the way, the way it looks through the camera is actually, that's the most realistic version of, right. of what, of what it looks like. The, so I feel like the camera operator, as far as, you know, being able to light the scene, um, you know, as far as like the way that they might want to like film a film a location most of that is is the same um where it starts to you know and i think directing you know directing for the most part is is very very similar producing you know all the same challenges are kind of there where where it starts to be where it starts to really kind of get different is in the art department um the art department you know normally Normally, they might be the ones building a set or dressing dressing a a location that's already there, and often, often on many projects, um, uh, you know, art department is usually they they have some pre production. You know, they're you know they're they're having some meetings with the with the director and with the producer. They're you know they're finding props and you know, say uh, and that kind of a thing. And then they're just sort of bringing it to set and dressing the set how how they're over they're supposed to. With virtual production, their job um, extends, I think, a little bit deeper into pre-production. They because you have this ability to um, uh, so so one of the things you can do is like as a as a team when you're building a concept, like your say your director, your producer, your DP, and your art department art department head before anything is shot, you know, while you're essentially storyboarding the the scenes, one of the things that you can do is have everybody do what we call a virtual scout. And so say you want to, you're shooting at a mountain location, a virtual mountain location. Um, you know, so somebody will build, will build sort of a, um, you know, maybe a low quality version, but maybe not of, of what the mountain should look like. You know, someone's got to build that in 3d. But before you are actually on the stage, everybody in your key production group can put on a VR headset. You can 
all visit that location together. And then you can actually discuss, okay, well, do we want to shoot on this part of the mountain or should we shoot over here? Should we change the sky to light from this angle as opposed to this angle? Should we, do we need to add some additional rocks here in the foreground? You know, because like the DP is like, I want to get a nice low shot from this angle. And, you know, they're not looking at anything that is physical at that point. It's just, it's really just pixels in a headset, but you can, because you can see everything, you can kind of start to to lay out okay well it's it's like going on a traditional location scout where you might go look at a place so it's like oh i'm actually maybe we'll want to film from this location or we let's put up a tracking shot that does this and so i think what's cool is that you can start having those conversations really early on in the development of the concept and and at very low cost you know you don't have to have an art department build a whole mountain for real right you know it's or you don't have to travel to a location for real it's like you can you know maybe 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 the mountain scene doesn't work and you know actually we'd we'd be better shooting this on a beach um fine okay we're throwing it but okay like load up the beach okay now everybody look at let's look at the beach and like discuss what's what's needed and you know and, and for the art department maybe that is um you know you know maybe they don't need to maybe they only need to build a couple of things in the room and they don't need to build a whole set. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they can build one physical prop and then that prop can be scanned and then and then you can put it digitally in the background so that you have right. more than one. So I think there's like a lot of things like that which will which are sort of new, new parts of the workflow that um, are are different than things how, how things are like generally film is made very li- linearly. Somebody comes up with a plan, somebody tells somebody how to do the plan, and then you you really only ever see it in its final form, like really on the day of shooting. That's the only thing where like all the elements come together. Right. Hopefully. Vir- yeah, well, hopefully. <laughs> and with, with virtual production, you kind of get to see like a pretty high quality version very early on in the process. And so really what the, the really the, the great benefit to creatives is that you, because you can see a pretty good version early on in your process, you also have the ability to iterate on that. So, you know, with any, with any project, often what makes a really high quality polished product in the very end is your ability to sort of almost redo your work. So you kind of do it, you do, you do a thing and you, you, you know, you discuss what works, what doesn't work, and then you fix what doesn't work and you kind of iterate, and then you kind of have a discussion about that. And so virtual production allows you to iterate with a very small crew and a very, very uh, relatively low costs to get to that final point so that when you're actually on set and you're actually running you know filming scenes that that you're not probably spending a lot of time trying to trying to work out say the logistics or the problems with a scene like presumably you've been you've you've given yourself enough iteration time to work all those issues out before you're actually trying to film something so those tend to be like the the real benefits to the workflow that I think I think people can can start latching onto. Yeah, no, I I think what I guess what I'm interested in is so that all makes sense, and I think it's almost like the clients like, hey, whatever you would whatever you wish, we can make it happen, right? There's really no limitations. I think that's the really cool thing I'm taking away from virtual production. And yeah, there's a lot of steps to it, but it's like if the client wants to ride on a donkey in the desert 
somehow, you know, or have it in the foreground. I think what I'm interested in is, so you have the designers that are, I'm not sure if I know the ter terminology, but maybe modding out everything and, and, and getting everything built, right? So you get on set, if a client says, hey, you know, say you're on a beach, you know, hey, I didn't want uh, the two chairs in the background. I kind of wanted more of like a longer landscaping spread. How easy is it to adjust? Or is that kind of like, you need to have those conversations beforehand. Is it plug and play where you have like a drop down of assets? Like, oh, she wants another beach ball. We could drop that in. Or do you, can you reuse, repurpose assets from different projects that now it's like, these are beach elements. These are mountain elements. Or is it very specific per project, would you say? It's a little per project. Um, generally at this point, I would, I would certainly suggest that you do as much of that work in the pre-production. That's, that's sort of the idea behind being able to iterate is that you can bring in your clients and then they can see sort of, you know, what they see is what they get. Right. And, you know, and this is, that's, this has been a challenge with productions and clients for, you know, as long as there's been clients, <laughs> um, you know, you know, trying to get them what they, what they want. Um, so some of that is just sort of, I think, managing expectations, you know, that sort of, once you get to the, the shooting date, hopefully you're just, you're focusing on capturing the concepts and ideas that have already been established. Um, but often in a lot of productions, because there hasn't been an, enough pre-production generally with the, the, the clients that are the decision makers is that unfortunately, sometimes the, the first time the client really gets a, a true idea of what it, it is that's filming is, is at the very end, you know, cause they've only seen like a, some storyboards or they've seen some images that have been comped together in Photoshop and, right. you know, maybe they've seen some blueprints, but they haven't ever seen like the final thing. And so I think that's often where you get those conversations of, well, can we have this? Can we have that? Um, at this point, unless that, th unless that object already exists, um, you know, that beach ball might take someone in a 3d art department, you know, a day to make. Right. So if you don't have a beach ball and you want a beach ball, you can't just go to a store often and get it. There are becoming more digital prop stores, if you will, where you can, wow. where you can start to purchase assets sort of digitally and then bring them into your project. And I think we'll see it again, more, more of that becoming available as this becomes a more, um, you know, more popular form of, of, of production. But, but at the moment, um, you know, if you, if you know, you say you want a, something specific in a scene, that's something that usually needs to happen. Like the decision to have that thing should happen several, you know, way, well advanced in sort right. of the pre-production stages of the project. So, yeah, so no, that's instead of like often if like you know so kind of going back to like traditional filmmaking like generally you would pre-produce something and then you would shoot it and then there's like the you know the classic like let's fix it in post ah um right. what what we actually suggest now is that your post-production is actually very um in this kind of a in this kind of a setup the post-production is usually pretty minimal because you're not doing you're not generally you know doing a green screen shot where you have to like replace the background and add in digital elements. And you still may do that depending on what it is you're shooting. But often a lot of the work that would be generally considered post-production work actually gets moved to the pre-production stage, nice. which 
which is a benefit because like your post-production team your and your pre-production team are they're all talking together and so that's really what it's about it's about collaborating early in the process so that when you get to production that that happens efficiently and i think so there is that's probably the actually one of the biggest sort of changes in in say a producer's mind or a client's mind of of how the flow of the project will go is that is that it's really front loaded on the on um, the pre-production side you know that's actually where most of the work happens mm-hmm. um, and most of the decisions happen and then once you get to production that's just sort of executing the ideas I love that and that's the most and and really and ultimately that does that saves you money because you know things fixing things in post is expensive because you usually haven't planned for it right um, you know and so that's really what it's about it's trying to you know be more efficient with a client's money push their resources farther to either, produce more content or produce like more polished content, um, you know, and really make, make every dollar count more. Um, and you can do that by front loading your front loading your production and your work on the, on the pre-production side. Yeah. I I love the idea. I mean, I think pre-production even we've had projects where like clients don't really want to get involved too much and, and, you know, and over trial and error, we've let that happen where like now post-production is kind of kicking us because we weren't thorough enough or they didn't want to be involved. And they're just like, oh, you know, I'll, you know, they get the vision once they see the video. Now they know what they want. And so I feel like, you know, it may take more steps with virtual production, but I feel like it's weeding out all that I should have, or we could have, or I thought I wanted this. It's like, this is, you saw these comps, you saw everything. Um, and it's essentially gonna, you know, make your editors happy. And, and so, so, and that's like another thing I'm interested in is like the post-production part. So, Obviously, you're still filming on traditional, you know, I'm sure you're still filming on the same cameras you would be filming on traditional videos. So Reds, Alexas, whatever, right? Is the editing, would you say it's kind of the same? Like for an editor getting footage from a virtual production shoot, is it essentially should kind of just go right, right in line? It should essentially just sort of be like on, for most editors and most productions, I I would think it's actually you know, going to be mostly the same, except, you know, if they were like, normally if they were doing like a special effects shot, you know, they might have to edit their film together with a lot of green screen, mm-hmm. you know, without the elements actually in their video. You know, it's like, if there's a giant robot, right. the editor at, you know, when they're first initially making their cut might not be able to see that robot, um, you know, cause it's just like a shot on a green screen or something, but, but now you might actually see, you know, so the feet of the robot or, you know, you might have, those digital elements within your scene. Cause really the idea is like, once you, once you push record on the camera, for the most part, you should be that sort of as final pixels, you know, without obviously like color grading would still be a, a kind of an additional step um, as, it, as it is with any project. But for the most part, um, the camera is sort of capturing everything you need. It's capturing the lighting, it's capturing the background, it's capturing the performance. Um, um, and then, you know, also the actors are, the actors have a, like, they feel more like they're on location, you know, they can look around, they can, if they're in a park, they can see trees, you know, if they're, right. if they're on a mountain, they get to see, they kind of feel like they're on top of a mountain. Um, and so I think, I think a lot, as I've heard actors kind of talk about their experiences working on a virtual production set, they, they definitely feel it's easier for them to act when they understand the environment that they're supposed to be in, which is a little bit easier than other 
than other other forms of kind of traditional say right. green screen production. So yeah, no, I love that. So there's certainly um, certainly a lot of advantages there. The you know the but the editors the editors I think will be mostly um, mostly the same um, right. except that they just don't have they won't have to like send send off footage to a post production like a special effects person to do something they can you know they'll have the footage that they want right there wow. uh, I, I think uh i think it's almost just it's reinventing kind of our industry in a way i talked to someone a few podcasts ago or a few episodes where they did a lot more fpv drones and it was more like you know the industry got stagnant and like this new uh kind of way of filming drones has kind of emerged and i feel like virtual production is kind of like videos kind of got stagnant with like studio production and things changed, but also opportunity has come. And, and I feel like you're kind of, you're kind of spearheading the whole virtual production brigade, I guess, in, in my network. Um, so, so I'm curious for, you know, for any piece of advice for people that maybe are listening that are interested in learning more about virtual production or have, you know, want to get into that field. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Well, there's, um, uh, as far as the industry is concerned, as far as the industry is at the moment, um, most productions are using a game engine called Unreal Engine, Unreal Engine 4. That's primarily the, the, the engine that's used. There's also Unity, which is another, another game engine that's often used in, in VR, um, but um, for whatever reason has not been the, the more prominent engine so they work more or less the same, but um, or you know they're slightly different as 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 kind of programs tend to be. But really, the the, the best suggestion I would have is is that you can download, you know, you can download a game engine like Unreal for free, and you can simply start learning sort of how sort of just how it works with you know with any new program or any new workflow, being comfortable with using the tool and creating within the tool will be um is sort of like the the work that you need to be putting in to to be able to use it um you know if i, I don't know if anybody anybody who's a creative who you know kind of remembers the first time they opened up photoshop or opened up you know premiere or um you know final cut and it was you know maybe you were in college maybe you were in high school or maybe you were later on in your career and you know, at first you're going to feel lost. Um, you know, you don't know where the buttons are. You don't know what they do. You don't know how to get the thing that you want to do to, you know, into the scene. And so I think, I think really it's just kind of becoming familiar with the tool in a, in just kind of like a practical sense. And so that's why I would, I would, I would recommend everyone to start. You can, you can say down, you can download Unreal Engine for free. There's no restrictions on it. You can, and you can actually start using it in virtual productions without a cost, um, even commercial projects. So, so getting used to a new work, that new workflow is, is the most critical thing. Um, so I think it really kind of just depends on where you're coming at it from an artist or as like kind of as a creative, because one of the things it does too, is that it does open up some new, some new roles on set. So one of the, one of the new roles is what's called generally called the world operator. And they're the person that's in charge of getting the, the digital scene that you're that's being created in the game engine, and they're responsible for getting it up onto the onto the walls, and then doing any kind of and doing any adjustments that might be re required. Um, either say moving this like wherever the center of the scene is, 
you know, maybe if you're shooting in a large warehouse, maybe you don't want to shoot in the very center of the warehouse. Maybe you want to shoot in a corner. And so that person's in charge of essentially moving and rotating the world so that it, so that that. it's, it's showing up on the screens as, as it's, as intended. Those people are usually involved in pre-production, but, um, uh, but that's going to be a new role that, especially if you have people that are interested in getting into this, getting into this world and want to maybe work on some higher end productions. Um, there is a very, there's a, a, a real lack of people that have, that understand film, you know, and are able to communicate with people and sort of like a, you know, film people kind of have a right. certain way of talking and working. Um, but that also understand how to use the game engine and how to operate that side of it. Um, on many of the productions that I've been involved in um, with this technology, the the only people that are like have that knowledge are these are um, are like recent graduates of like coming out of like a like a uh, a program that you know teaches game design, wow. and so a lot of them don't have the film knowledge or um, and there's just there's just like a really there's like productions want to hire these people and they want to pay them a lot of money because they just, there's not very many of them that know how to do it. So I think especially over the next couple of years, um, this, you know, for people that want to specialize in something particular, if you learn how to be a world operator for a virtual production set, you will probably be very busy working on all sorts of commercials, feature films, television shows. So if you're looking for a way into those, into those environments, this might be a really good way to kind of get your foot in the door and start working on, on those kinds of projects. Um, you know, if, um, so, so yeah, it's really about just kind of giving yourself that experience. Um, you know, so if you're, if you're sitting around and you're, you know, you have some time to learn, you know, again, it'll take time to learn and it'll take time to become proficient in it. But, um, but there's a lot of resources. There's a lot of discord communities that are very helpful. There's a lot of, YouTube videos that different people are putting out that you can learn how to do different aspects of the engine. Um, you're going to want to learn programming a little bit um, to at least a certain extent to be able to kind of facilitate some certain, like kind of the ways these worlds are built. Yeah. So there will be some new skills that will be required, but I, you know, well, there's, you know, so we started a virtual production group here in Chicago um, called the Chicago virtual production group back in October because we were starting to realize that there was a, a lot of people interested in this, but not a lot of, um, there wasn't like a community, a local community around that. Um, but even in just sort of the, the six months that that group has been around, you know, the members of that group that I've seen apply, start applying their knowledge and just practicing, you know, when they have time on working in the engine, you know, maybe they're building a, building a, a house scene, like a kitchen for a commercial or they're working on a, there's, you know, some other people are working on more environments, um, you know, maybe they're realistic environments or others. And even in the, just a couple of months of them practicing, I've seen them kind of go from very beginners to yeah. much more advanced in their, uh, in their ability to, to, to make something that's, that works at a professional level. So, you know, I, I think it's really just about applying yourself and, and learning, and, and it really is jumping in and learning a new skill. Um, yeah. You know, just like when you picked up a camera for the first time, it's right. you know, it's a little daunting and you're not going to be a very good shooter. But if you shoot every day for six months, like you're going to get better. It's so uh, right. I think the same same rules apply here. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I think, you know, the whole world operator, I mean, that's, to me, I'm like, that's a golden opportunity. A young kid out of college or someone just looking to get into a, a new field, right? I feel like that's like almost, you become kind of the eyes and ears. You're like the, the, the kingpin in charge. But um, I want to re, I want to kind of recircle back on this last one. I always just ask, like, you know, how, how can people connect with you? I know you, you have started that club. I would love for you to kind of maybe um, throw out some links or just ways that if people are interested in virtual production, they could, you know, connect with you, Scott. Um, yeah, so the group, the group that I just mentioned, um, at the moment, it's open to Chicago-based creatives or Illinois-based creatives. It's, it's the goal is, was is is really so it's a volunteer group. It's free to join. Membership doesn't cost a thing. Um, it's called the Chicago. Our website is ChicagoVirtualProduction.com, um, and they can uh, people can sign up for our mailing list and reach us our you know our direct email. Um, for the group that I, I um, so the I, so one I started with Ross Floyd, who is um, uh, another local Chicago creative, and um, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's an open group. We we're currently meeting weekly, um, and really it's it's about sort of giving people a little bit of a community. You know, all of us are still working from home at this point in time, for the most part. So you know, being able to connect with people and see a friendly face and get a little bit of encouragement um, is is really kind of what the goal what the, the group is, is, is trying to do give for people, um, you know, encourage them or, you know, or maybe help them solve a problem that they've had that week while, you know, while they were working on a, on a, on a project. Um, the, uh, kind of, I guess the, the, the ultimate goal of, of this particular group is to build a good ecosystem within the Chicago community or the, you know, the, the, the local community here, um, for doing virtual productions. Um, you know, as I, I kind of mentioned earlier, the, these kinds of projects do require quite a few different skill sets. Um, and so early on, we kind of realized that the, the community, the local community here was going to need a, a talent pool of people that understood how the, how this technology worked and could implement it at a professional level. And we've kind of felt the best way to do that was to build a group that's encouraging to share best practices, that it's encouraging, you know, people to, you know, helping people understand some new tools. So we, we bring in special guests, you know, from other companies and other, you know, people that have worked on like big, big virtual production sets to kind of tell, tell us some, give us some insight on how they work.